Welcome to Field Architecture Breeze Blogs, where our editors share their thoughts on works in progress, urgent matters, and current happenings in architecture and spatial politics. My name is Charlie Clemos, editor currently based in Maastricht in the Netherlands, and for this episode I'm talking to Zimani Menzo, director of the Bauen section of the Federatie Nederlandse Werkbeweging, in English, the building section of the Federation of Dutch Trade Unions, FMV, which serves architects as well as construction workers and other people working in the Dutch building industry. Zamani and I, along with several other people, have been working closely together in the last several months, trying to unionise architectural workers in the Netherlands, which has brought us in touch with a lot of workers, as well as several friends of failed architecture, including previous Breeze Block guest Marissa Courtright, as well as Tati Vella from UK Architects Trade Union United Voices of the World section Architectural Workers, and Catherine Kukuk and Vila Alkamada, hosts of the Dutch language architecture podcast Responds each of whom have come to speak at meetings of the new initiative NAA, or NAA, a flexible acronym standing for, among other things, Netherlands Angry Architects, NAA Het Werk, After Work in Dutch, and Nederlandse Architect in Anonym, Netherlands Architects Anonymous in English. Zamane is also a member of the board of the Building and Woodworkers International, work for which has recently taken her to Qatar, which was the more topical prompt for this brief conversation in which we discuss the current situation in Qatar and possible developments in the aftermath of the Men's Football World Cup. But first, we start by discussing our progress organising in the Netherlands. So we met in June and uh, we've been working together since then trying to organise architects in the Netherlands. Uh, Together, along with several other people, we uh, launched Netherlands Angry Architects, NAA, flexible acronym maybe you could talk a little bit now about what your experience has been over the past three months in terms of working a little bit closer with architects and trying to understand their problems and what you can do for them yes yes i will so my name is samani menso and i'm a union officer for fnv the netherlands we are the biggest union in the netherlands and we are also a union for architects and i work for the department uh, that is organizing architects but also construction workers Yes, what you're saying is quite interesting, Charlie, because I'm the first thing that I need to say is that I found out that it is really nice to working with architect, architects and talking with them. The vibe at our meetings is incredible, even though the problems are sometimes huge, but there is a positive vibe. People are nice to each other. They are very open and friendly and loyal, and I think the loyalty can be a problem as well. Because you can see that also in their work attitude, they are very loyal to their employer. And what I can see is that people are making too much working hours. They don't get paid for those hours. And even though for me, money is not the most important thing because health is more important. So the first thing that I'm concerned is health. And also, how long can you do that, working so much hours? I mean, a lot of people that are coming to my meetings are still young. But how long can you work so much hours with so much pressure? That, that, that is something that is, it can be healthy. And then the second reason is if you don't get paid for it, you're a volunteer. And voluntary work is very well, very good and respectful. But I don't think as an architect, working for an architect company, you're a volunteer. I, did, I don't think that is good. It shouldn't be like that. So I found out that, 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 that there is a lot of working hours. The working pressure is very, very, very big, very hard. Um, I can compare it to construction, 
we can see the same in construction in the offices uh, with white collar workers. Also the same loyalty. It's not that way because a lot of you had the same education, the same study in university or the same bachelor degree as, as construction workers, especially then the white collar workers. So it isn't that weird, but it is very unhealthy and it, it is not for me, it shows no respect to workers. Besides that, what, what I also notice is that especially young people are not getting the respect that they deserve. They are trying very hard to build up a curriculum. And I think that employers are misusing that. They are also misusing the spirit of these workers. And, and a lot of times when I, when I spoke to employers, they are saying, no, but architects, they don't work for the money. They have passion. But uh, to be honest, you can't pay people with passion. You need to pay them with money. Even for now, the winter is coming and uh, energy prices are rising. And you cannot pay your energy bill with passion. There is not enough passion to pay the bills. That is uh, one thing I really, it's really hurting me. It's really disturbing me that employers are saying that about their workers. Passion. Yeah. No. Passion is something you have in the bedroom. <laughs> no, it's <is> something private. <laughs> nice. Obviously, I, I think most of our meetings so far have been trying to work out as well what do architects, what, what are their problems, right? It's almost like we're offering them this space to actually speak about some of the things that they don't get a chance in their em employment. We've had three meetings now and most of them have been just this opportunity it seems like for one of the rare opportunities for architects in different employment settings to really kind of realize that they all are getting kind of ripped off and fucked over, maybe. Yes, but, yes. Um, and then it, you can see that it is, it is not just one office. I mean, yeah. of course, you definitely have good employers. Mm -hmm. There are definitely good offices. But in, in general, the culture is very hard. Yeah. That is a, <clears throat> a general overview of the architecture. Fully. Yeah, so I mean, we've not really got that far beyond just working out what do people need, what do they, what do they want from the collective labour agreement, the CAO, which actually is kind of fast approaching. Maybe it's nice to talk a little bit about that right now, like what that involves and what needs to happen for the renegotiation to happen in, in a way that will at least benefit the architects more than they're currently being benefited. Yes. yes. So starting from the 1st of January 2023, so in a few days actually, there is a pay raise of 4%. And part of it was already negotiated in the collective bargaining agreement. And a part of it is, is a new agreement that we have because of the inflation. I mean, 4% is, it does, doesn't cover inflation, but I mean, it's, it is still a bit. It is something. It is a contribution. So of course, I wanted more, but I'm still happy that employers were positive about doing this while the collective bargaining agreement wasn't even finished. That is not something usual. This is very, very, very unusual. And if you look at the total pay grades of this collective bargaining year, this is the first time in history that it was this amount in percentage. And of course, we need to do better. We need to do more. But I need you. I mean, my strength on the collective bargaining table comes with my members. You are my power. So if I have less members, I have less power. If I have more members, I have more power. T together we're strong. So I really need people to, to sign up and to join the union. I know that you are very busy. Not everybody needs to be active, but at least show me that you're there. And at this moment, we also 
you're having a membership action, six months membership for 25 euro. And that is an amount that a lot of people can afford. And besides that, every year you can get a, a part of the money back with your Brito Netto salary. So even if you pay the normal price, you will always get around 40% you can get back. So that is also one of the benefits. But uh, besides that, the collective bargaining agreement that we are having now is in the end of February, it's finishing. So we will start negotiating probably in January or the beginning of February. And I'm inviting you all to our meetings. Uh, follow Na on Instagram because they will share everything that F&V does. Of course, I share it also, but I have only information uh, from my members. But of course, I will share it through Na because Na is a sister organization. And come and please tell me what it is that it is important for you. So one of the other things that is a benefit, I suppose, of union membership that is um, maybe a little bit more abstract but is very important is solidarity. Solidarity with fellow workers, not just solidarity that we've seen in the meetings between architectural workers, but also potential solidarity between construction workers, workers in other parts of the world yes. who are affected by the building industry, but also workers in general. Th this kind of relationship has been um, obscured or... Uh, there have been barriers put up between different types of workers to kind of prevent that sort of solidarity from the power of that so sort of solidarity from being realized uh, over the years, over the decades, always. Maybe first, if you want to just talk about the some of the other work that you're doing with workers in the Netherlands and uh, the construction industry. But also this is a good opportunity, I suppose, to start talking about more recent work internationally, especially in Qatar. Yeah, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about, yeah, what the importance is of solidarity with workers in other industries in the Netherlands and further afield. Yes, that, that's good. You know, solidarity is really important. We have, of course, international solidarity. But also, for instance, I mean, we're in the Netherlands, so I will use that example. We need solidar solidarity as well. Otherwise, employers will, they will divide us. For instance, what you can see is sometimes that temporary workers or trainees are being treated differently. And that is also a way to create a situation where people are not solidar anymore. Or maybe a self-employed personal are getting treated differently. So solidarity is really, really important. Uh, for instance, I, I do the architect. I'm a union officer for the architect branch. But tomorrow I have a strike in the cement industry. I will be there at four in the morning. But I will be there. It doesn't matter because united we stand. That, that, is, that is really, really important. And international solidarity as well. We are, we are doing a lot at FNV on international solidarity because the world is... It's, it looks big, but it's really small. So if we're allowing that companies are mistreating workers in other companies, that will set the bar also in the Netherlands. It's not even about the benefits for ourselves, but everything what is happening in other countries, it's, it really can happen here as well, because the plane is also stopping at Schiphol. That's all, always something I remember. If you are mistreating people in Qatar or in India... Be aware if you are standing in the Netherlands looking at those mysteries that that same plane that stops in Qatar can stop in the Netherlands as well. And then, I mean, it, it is devastating for, for, for the system, but also for people's rights, for human rights, for workers' rights. And I, I think that we are not realizing that our human rights and also workers' rights are on the line. 
even nowadays to strike sometimes for us as a union, sometimes we need to go to court because employers are saying, no, you can't strike. But striking is is it's, it's it is our right mm-hmm. to strike. Mm-hmm. So uh, people don't realize that a lot of our rights are under pressure, and that we really need to to stand for it, and we need to, to we need to take a stand. Otherwise, it will vanish. <laughs> so um, you've just a couple of weeks back come back from a trip across. Across the ocean, you started in Australia, right? And then went to Indonesia and then ended in Qatar. Maybe, do you want to talk a little bit about what you were up to there and your work as um, a member of the board of the building workers and is it the, how do I say this? The building, the builders building and, and woodworkers. Wo- the builders and woodworkers international, yes. right? Uh, which has done a lot of work in Qatar in terms of improving working conditions there? Yes, true. I'm a, I'm a world board member of the Building and Woodworkers International. That is our federation. So as FNV, we are also members of the union. And BWI, that, that is our international union. And we are active in a lot of countries and we're trying to do our best in a lot of countries. But last week I was in Qatar and we are active in Qatar for a little bit more than 10 years because we think it is important that migrant workers there, that their human rights are get respected and their workers' rights also getting respected. So that is the reason. It, it, it is not always easy in Qatar. In the past, we would really go in, in big secrets. And nowadays, when I'm there, I'm, I'm also very aware that, I mean, the situation is not quite safe because unions for migrant workers are forbidden. And of course, the Qatari government knows that BWI is there. But still, we need to be careful. We have we we also have leaders in Qatar. I will never post pictures, etc., of them because we have quite a network. But for them, they are really putting their lives on the risk to create and to build a union. And we don't realize that in the Netherlands, we are, and maybe in in the whole of Europe, we are taking things for granted. Do you have much of a read on the situation of what it's like to work in Qatar at the moment? Like uh, what it will be like um, if there's been any improvement? You've been there more than once. Um, have you seen an improvement? Improvement is particularly also in the housing of people. The living conditions are better than when we started. During Corona, it was it's, there were terrible situations, but. Uh, leave that apart. The, the situation is better than as we saw it in the first, at, like 10 years ago. The minimum pay grade is higher, a, a bit higher. That is also something that BWI, the International Construction Union, fight for. And I say International Construction Union, but also architect companies are also a part of that construction family uh, and woodworkers as well. So we can see those things, that is that is a change, but still there is no freedom of speak. Uh, if I ask workers over there, what is, I asked them uh, the other time, I said, what is your wish? What do you want? And then they said, I want freedom of speech and I want respect even though I'm a cleaner. I want to be proud to be a cleaner because I'm proud of it, but I cannot tell people I'm proud of it. I have to be ashamed of it. And that is something big. If somebody is wishing for freedom of speech, so that hurts. So human rights and workers' rights, they are not good enough developed. It is better, but it's still not as it should be. Like I said, we have leaders over there, people that are leaders in their communities. And one of the biggest problems is also that the government knows who they are. Because 
for a while ago, before the for the matches were started, we had the hope that things would change. Would would change. And now we can see because as uh, the international union, we ask for a migrant worker center. The migrant worker center is a center for migrant workers where they can come and they can get information about their duties and the many rights they have. They don't have a lot, but the rights they have, we can inform them. In some situations, they can also file in a case against their employer. So the migrant worker center could, for instance, help them with information, but we can also provide Arabic lessons, health and safety lessons, but also to drink a cup of tea and to meet each other. They don't have anything, migrant workers, to meet each other and to talk with each other, to educate themselves. And that is something we ask for. And we really had hope. But at this point, the match is already over. It's 8 December today. I think the 17th, no, the 18th of December is the final. And that is also World Migrants Day. And we still don't have any commitment from the government to open a migrant workers center. And yes, it, it is painful because migrant workers really, they really need it. Yeah, and in this moment as well, there's a lot of uh, attention to it and you can imagine that they might well just wash their hands of it afterwards, right, when their scrutiny isn't there and maybe fall back on, I guess, old habits. Did, like when you were first there, do you have an idea of uh, like what the experience was of workers, how bad it was at the first experience you had of yes, it? Yes, yes. Was it, there a particular story you have? Or, yes, I don't know. yes. It, it is terrible. I mean, workers, they, they, they work 10 to 12 hours a day. And imagine that the World Cup is, is moved to the winter. Now It is winter now in Qatar, and I think it's 30 degrees. And the stadiums, they have air conditioning. But... In the first, the first idea was to do the World Cup in the summertime, and then they said, "No, it's too hot. Those those football players can't play because it's too hot." And imagine that the workers, that the stadiums, they work with more than forty degrees. They work for ten hours a day, twelve hours a day, not getting enough rest, not getting enough water to drink. We know that the health and safety conditions were terrible. I mean, th- those circumstances are not. Not for humans. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it's, they're saying it's like not suitable for the footballers who are out there for what ninety minutes, one time, well, yes, one or two times a week, right? Like, whereas these people are working what yes. six days, seven days a week, ten, twelve hours. It's yes, it is yeah. a lot, and like six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. With you can't complain. You just need to work. You just you know, even sometimes the food wasn't always good and, and housing was very bad. Now housing has changed a bit and the pay grade is a little bit more, but it's still not enough. But it was it is terrible. It was terrible for those construction workers. And now everybody is looking at Qatar, but in two weeks, yeah, nobody knows anymore. So that that is, I'm coming back to the Migrant Workers Center. That is one of the reasons why we are claiming, why we are asking and fighting for that migrant worker center. Yeah, that legacy. A legacy. That is exactly what, what we call it as well, a legacy. Because when we first know that Qatar would host the World Cup, we said no, we, we, we started a boycott. And after a few, a lot, a lot of talks with workers, and they told us, no, don't boycott, because this is how we eat. Even though we don't make a lot of money, even though I'm almost dying, I can send a bit of my money to my children. And that is also one of the stories that is really hurtful. When you talk with workers and you say, and you talk with them about their family, etc., they say, yes, I didn't see my children for 10 or 12 years. 
Wow. I mean, that is hard. I mean, and, and, and don't understand me wrong. The migrant workers, they will stay in Qatar because the, mo- the most people or migrant workers, the Qataris are like 5% yeah. of the entire population. And the migrant workers are more than 90, 90 95%. So they will, they will stay th- there. They have nowhere to go. And there is a lot of work still in Qatar for yeah, them to yeah. do. So it is really painful that they don't see their families and they, they need to suffer for such a little little bit of money, actually. Yeah. But still, that money allows them to keep their family alive and to make sure their kids can study. So, um, Sorry, can I on. give you another story? Yeah. This is a recent story. It's two weeks ago. There was a woman, also a migrant worker in Qatar, and her employer... He, he liked her, but she said, no, I'm, I'm married and I don't like you, etc. And he wanted her, he asked her a few times to go away with him to some place. And she said, no, no, no. And now she's missing. Nobody knows where she is. And her kid is 12 years old and she's still there. And the community is taking care of her kid, even though they don't have a lot of money. But they will take care of the kid because the mother is gone. And... I mean, there are a lot of countries. They are getting their, their, their young women, their children back in coffins. They are getting mistreated at home. Also, of course, construction workers that are dying from the hard work they are doing. So for us, it is really difficult to reach out to nannies, for instance, because some of the nannies, they don't get outside. They only stay inside the house. And when they go outside, it's to watch the children. But their bosses are also there. So we cannot reach out to them. So what we are trying to do, what we are already doing, we are providing, we try to to provide education to keep those migrants out of houses. But maybe they can learn uh, a skill and do other work. And that makes it safer for them. Because what you also need to understand is that if you are a nanny, maybe, and I don't say that every nanny has the same story, but this is a story that I hear a lot as well. First, you have the problem with the father. But after a few years, the son is getting big as well. So then you have a problem with the father and the son. And that is the real thing. Also, suicide is a thing. People, they, they can't live with those circumstances. So again, what they're trying to do is empowerment courses. They ask me also to give self-defense training. And one of my sisters from another union is a yudoka. She has the black belt and a lot of other degrees, so she can give self-defense classes. So she will do it. And also to make it even prettier, she's one of the big bosses of this construction company. So mm-hmm. she's really a colleague of, yeah, yeah. of, of, of you and, and our listeners. So that is one thing we're doing. We're trying to, instead of giving money, education, because that leads to money, but also nice things to keep their mind of the situation, of course. And we are organizing that. We are doing that for years. And now we also have support of the KNVB mm-hmm. because the Dutch football team decided to sell their shirts after the games. So all the money that they are raising is going to FNV with the agreement, of course, that FNV will well spend the money in Qatar and in the region. Yeah, because, of course, Qatar is not the only country where we see this problem, the region. And the kafala system is not only in Qatar, even though it's officially there is no kafala system. And I will not uh, take the time to explain what kafala system is, but it's like a sponsorship. But you can, of course, search it on the internet. So I'm really grateful that that KMVB, I mean, they took the effort, the players, these stories are also, yeah, I think the, the workers are in their heart. Otherwise, you won't do this because they can sell their shirts for themselves. I mean... 
not every player is a millionaire. They can do whatever they want, but they choose to do this. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for uh, yeah the help of KNVB and the, the Dutch players. Any last things you want to shout out? Uh, no, it is, I mean, I think that this is important for workers to consider what they have and don't take it for granted because there is only one organization that is there for workers. And I don't say that you have to join FNV. I always say, if you can do it better, start your union. And I don't mean that sarcastic. But you can also start a union. But one fact of a matter, only a union is there for workers. There is no other organization that is 100% for workers. Even if you come to me and say, Samani, I'm getting fired because I stole, I'm your union. I will tell you that you're stupid. But <laughs> that doesn't matter. When I call your employer... I will make a fist for you because you're my member. So there is only one organization in the world that fights for workers, and that is and that will always be the union. And international solidarity and solidarity amongst workers is really, really, really important because don't forget, employers are always solidar to each other. They have political parties when they can show it. They are really solidar. So don't be the stupid one when your employer says, ah, that union. No, be smart because... Even though the chances are big that your employer is part of the union, of the Federation for Employers, and that is normal, that is very good, I support that, and I even promote it. And then for you, he's going to tell you that unions are for for the past or for other people, that you're not a worker, etc., etc., you don't need it. Don't fall into that. Everybody needs solidarity. Everybody needs collectively, because together you're strong. 